Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Good Fight Podcast, Season 3, Episode 4. And now this episode is going to be a little bit of a continuation uh, of our last episode, uh, talking about education. Um, and, you know, in case you can hear the the sound of, the sound in my voice, you know, I'm, I'm feeling better and uh, from my emotional recovery stage from the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, it took a couple days, but I, I think I'm feeling better. So. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yep it was tough to watch a couple you know i'm not a huge chiefs fan i'm a you know i was rooting for the eagles and you know i like their coach and kind of what he stands for and uh, so it was just unfortunate to see them lose but it was a great game so well denver thank thankfully you're at a college so there's a safe space not too far away that you can kind of retreat to when you need to so, yeah, I called my boss to, uh, to to take a day off for, you know, I needed a mental health day and he didn't like the, the sound of that. So, wow. Although the Philadelphia, you know, the, those tears in his eyes during the national anthem, uh, I think, spoke volumes um, on a lot of different ways. And I know that that's how I feel a lot. And, I, and a lot of us feel that way. So I thought that was very, very cool. And. I won't say anything more about the tears after the game, but anyway. Yeah, tears yeah, coming we'll, from me. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yes, back to, <laughs> back to yeah. education. Um, there's just so much on this topic that Brian and I felt that uh, we did need another episode. And so we've got some great things lined up um, uh, on that. Yeah, we want to kind of give you uh, just an overview. And if you are interested, and then uh, look at the resources. And it's good to know these things are going on. We're particularly interested in it because we're both involved in the field. But um, I, I just uh, I think it's very good to be aware of how important this is for all of us. And that's one of the things we're going to try to uh, get working out. So we're going to focus on kind of three major things. First of all, some uh, Ron DeSantis, once again, leading the way in Florida. Uh, we're going to talk kind of about uh, the the demise of the Ivy League in terms of its uh, uh, its real influence and kind of what a hollow shell it's become, uh, and then uh, some information coming out of Hillsdale College that kind of uh, reinforces one of the things that we said uh, last week. So Denver, let's uh, re- repeat after me. You ready? I'm ready. Parents, parents Parent. are responsible. Are responsible for their children's education. For their children's education. I could say that a couple more times. <laughs> there we go. So uh, that's something, if there's nothing else that, we, that you take away from this series, that's great. We're still working on getting our guest. I think they've, they've agreed to be on, so we're just working working on that. So um, uh, we'll kind of keep you posted on that. So we'll be back in a second to kind of dig in and talk a little bit more about uh, what a good job Ron DeSantis is doing on so many levels. Well, we're back for our uh, uh, next segment, talking about some of the things Ron DeSantis is doing. And Denver, I think we mentioned last week, one of the things about Ron DeSantis, he's a fighter. And we really need that in terms of our, our people right now, because there, there's a battlefield. And we'll, Hillsdale will kind of reinforce uh, some of that, that article when we get there later in the broadcast. But, um, but uh, Ron DeSantis now is focusing on higher education in Florida and how to bring some of these reforms that he's talked about into that realm. So um, the, uh, basically, he's introduced legislation for this session 
to uh, to try to elevate the the level of civil discourse and intellectual freedom in higher education, and so uh, again, just kind of pushing back that that woke. Uh, thing. So I'm, I'm reading from this article. So amongst its many provisions, this legislation will ensure pl- that Florida's public universities and colleges are grounded in the history and philosophy of Western civilization, prohibit DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, CRT, and other discriminatory, uh, discriminatory programs and barriers to learning. And uh, so they use a lot about aligning the university curriculum to those values. And I think it's really a good thing. Well, it's it's good anytime <clears throat> education is grounded in history and philosophy. Uh, those are the two main things. And being able to hash out um, and, and have discussions uh, rather than trying to push an agenda or trying to indoctrinate uh, students, um, having discussions on things is a good idea. Um, also, it uh, prohibits higher education institutions from using any funding, regardless of the source to support those two things, DEI and CRT. Um, and so, you know, that's a pretty big win uh, right there. Yeah. And I think this, this is more than just uh, trying to score political points. One of the things I've heard about DeSantis, is he's got very good people working with him that are reading the documents, reading the curriculum, and coming up with real uh, solutions. And I just uh, think, think it's wonderful. Another one of their ideas that they're, they're uh, allowing the, the presidents and boards of trustees of these universities uh, to conduct post-tenure reviews of faculty uh, if there's cause for that, uh, and so to kind of uh, kind of whittle away at that sacred cow of tenure, which maybe was well intentioned at the beginning, but really has become uh, just a way uh, to kind of coddle uh, people that are very inadequate with no way to really address that. So I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I agree. And going back to diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. Um, at my school, we have a diversity, equity, and inclusion office. And I think um, it really depends on how money is spent and what you're promoting um, and it, it, and how you're integrating it into your material. Because I think there are, are good ways we can integrate you know, diversity. I've said on this podcast that diversity is a good thing. Uh, but when you tr- are trying to promote something and push an agenda, that's where it becomes too far. So I don't want to come off on this podcast that, you know, oh, Denver, you know, he's against, you know, equality and diversity and inclusion. You know, that's that would be false. Um, but when you integrate it and push an agenda that is um, un-American, um, you know, all those types of words, that's where I draw the line. Yeah, and that's good. And, and I think it's good to really define our terms of what we actually mean by that, uh, because, uh, CRT, I think uh, you can very clearly demonstrate that it's a it's a bankrupt, do nothing policy, and that it's mutually exclusive uh, with the ideas of our republic uh, to be able to have that. So, uh, and I, I agree with you, just you know, diversity of different uh, races and some different perspectives and stuff. But uh, one of the further things in the article, it says that they they want their uh, board of governors to align the university's mission to, and I love this phrase, education for citizenship in the constitutional republic. And I mean, that's that's the the basic. Uh, justification for the education system in the first place and then i like it they balance it out and 
uh, in light of the emerging workforce needs too. So one of our red flags last week was just pointing out that you know education is more than just you know getting a workforce, yes. uh, but you you also have to to pay that in mind, and that'll get rid of a lot of useless degrees that really have no business in uh, uh, in the university in the first place. So uh, yeah, I cool. love that I love that phrase too, constitutional citizenship, and I and I I'd add you know just as a general sense you know civics in general. I think it is an embarrassment that I only had to take one semester of civics to graduate high school. I think yes. that it should be much, much more than that um, uh, for, for students to graduate. So if, if you want to know what I would like to do when uh, time comes for me to, to enter the, the political arena, that's one of them, uh, to, to make sure that, that students are graduating with a, a not a good understanding, but a full understanding of their constitutional duty as a citizen of the United States of America. So they'll be able to answer basic questions about the constitution. Unlike that judge candidate a few weeks ago. (laughs) I sure hope so. Okay. (laughs) And last thing on this, uh, they're, they're really putting their money where their mouth is. Uh, And and before I tell you that, I, I think it's really important to realize that for state institutions, that the state legislature uh, they have a job of, of being able to have a say in what is taught at that university. And I think that's what Ron DeSantis is really recognizing and putting teeth behind, is that you know the university is not this untouchable uh, people in a detached ivory tower that can do anything that they feel like, that they're getting all their funding from the state, and as such, uh, that the the state has as the has the the responsibility to consider things like this and be able to uh, like they say align it. But some of the ways they're putting their their money where their mouth is that uh, they are are setting up a center for classical and civic education at the University of Florida. <clears throat> they're uh, putting money uh, uh, behind uh, overhauling and restructuring another uh, college called the New College of Florida. Um, a, uh, a state institution and uh, trying to hire good people that will uh, bring some balance to that. And kind of apparently in the hiring process, a lot of it's done by faculty committee. And so if you get an inbred faculty committee that's in charge of all the hiring, it's just going to get more and more inbred as it goes along. And they're trying to uh, uh, to kind of overturn that and letting the uh, the, the upper administration have a say uh, in that based on the philosophy and the instruction they've gotten from the state. So this is a wonderful thing, and God bless you, Ron DeSantis. Well, if you live in Florida, you must you must feel really good about where your tax dollars are going because this is really good news, um, and many people in other states, cough, cough, California, uh, can't say the same. <laughs> yeah. So the resource is an article about this, and there are links in the article that will give you the actual document that Florida put out. So if you're interested in seeing more, it's uh, it's good to see and hear some some things, real things happening in good time. Uh, back in a second for our lightning round, we got some good stuff there today, Denver. I can I can tell and see. So yes, we do. Forward to that. We're back for the lightning round, and uh, we're going to kind of go bounce back and forth. So it's my turn to start. Uh, we've heard a lot about what a deep well of, 
uh, wonderful conservative candidates that are coming up through the pipeline. And uh, that that's wonderful. And uh, that, that we need to continue to promote them, encourage them, pray for them. Uh, and yet a very interesting resource uh, coming uh, that's on a Charlie Kirk uh, podcast. And the title of the podcast is that uh, we need, uh, th- this is our conservative Manhattan project. And no, we're not going to come up with a new uh, form of a nuclear uh, device to to nuke the uh, the Democrats or anything like that. Why not? Uh, but what they're, no, what I'm they're, kidding. What <laughs> <laughs> Here's a sound bite for you later. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But what they are talking about is that you can have wonderful candidates, but if the other side plays the political game uh, better than you do, uh, like it seems like they have been in the last cycles, then uh, you're going to lose a lot more elections than you have to. So uh, it, it's all about building the kind of political machinery, the ground forces, the ground game to be able to get out the vote, be able to take advantage of this whole mail-in ballot, ballot harvesting thing that we don't like. But if it's legal and the other side is using it, we've got to figure out how to get people to vote, to vote early to get that done. And it's a really good discussion of what really needs to happen and how important that is if we really want to win. And how now is the time to do that. So if nothing else, be aware of that. Be praying for it. And uh, if there's a way that you can figure out how to get involved, maybe that article will give you some, uh, uh, that podcast will give you some ideas. Uh, we've talked a lot about voting on this podcast, and um, it's definitely the one of the pillars of our republic. So uh we won't stop talking about it for sure. <laughs> but something else that's uh, pretty interesting, uh, these quote-unquote UFOs that keep uh, popping up. Um, the first one, obviously, we, I talked about in the last episode, the, the Chinese spy balloon. But there's been three or four other incidents of what they are calling UFOs. And when I, when I say UFO, I'm not saying extraterrestrial aliens. Just talking about they don't know what these objects are. Uh, they don't know if they're state owned, if they are privately owned, et cetera, et cetera. Um, many of them, well, all of them have been shot down. Um, one over Alaska, uh, an American F-22 uh, shot one of the UFOs down over Canada. Uh, President Biden and President Trudeau uh, were talking about that. And uh, the United States was given the order uh, to shoot it down. So I just have a lot of question marks. And so... <laughs> Um, you know, there's nothing to say on that other than, you know, I'd, I'd like to know what's going on. Uh, but one thing I really wanted to mention, though, is going back to the Chinese spy balloon. Uh, it was shot down on a Friday. Um, and f- about an hour after it was shot down, uh, President Biden was coming off the plane. And he said that he gave the order to shoot it down two days ago before it actually got shut down. So he ordered it to be shot down on Wednesday. It was actually shot down on Friday, and he said the reason because of that is um, he was advised that he should wait. And as far as I know, the the president is the commander-in-chief, but who knows? Who's in charge here? Yep. (laughs) Well, my thing kind of goes back to the Super Bowl. Um, I talk uh, once in a while about the the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton uh, podcast. They took over kind of Rush Limbaugh's time slot. They're doing a wonderful job, and they've got a great uh, kind of repartee back and forth between the two of them. They're very capable, very experienced, very articulate, very well-read, and uh, I just really like that. But uh, uh, Buck Sexton has been involved in the um, um, the 
sports world, and uh, he came out with a very interesting commentary in like in favor of the Super Bowl and why, in the larger context, it's a it's a says a lot of what's best about America, and I, I'd really commend that to you. And and uh, I mean, I, and one of his points is that. Uh, one of the things that is making us kind of burned out with sports and the wokeness is not the sports themselves, but the sports media. That's been the kind of the source of the stink for a long time. And it's kind of rubbed off on the sports franchises. Uh, and so he kind of encouraged us to make that differentiation and talked about, you know, the, the tears uh, in the, the Philadelphia coach, like we said, about the, the national anthem and just the pageantry and the striving for excellence and the meritocracy. And that that's not a bad word, that, that, that uh, merit should be the most important thing to deal with. And you can't escape that in sports. And you really can't escape that in music either. Because <laughs> nobody likes a person that's, that sings out of tune. So uh, that's always going to count really big in music. So t- uh, take a, a, a listen to that uh, portion. I think you'll enjoy him and what he has to say. Yeah, I, I really resonate with that. I'm not sure if I've mentioned on the podcast, but, you know, I, I coach high school football. And, um, you know, that national anthem moment before the game, standing on the sidelines at is really powerful. Um, so I, I can't imagine what it feels like for an NFL coach or player to be at the Super Bowl with the national anthem. And I think we saw some of those moments uh, a couple of days ago, but you're absolutely right. Um, so I'll go as fast as I can on this. There's a lot of inf- information on my next uh, subject, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the populate population replacement rate. Um, so this is basically um, how many children per women do we need to have to make our population sustainable? So the number is 2.1. So 2.1 children per woman is considered sustainable. Uh, the United States is at 1.61. So we've been hearing a lot about the dimin- diminishing population. Um, and so sustainable is 2.1. The United States is at 1.61. Utah, the, the state of Utah is at 1.92. And California is at 1.5. So California is one of the uh, lowest uh, replacement rates uh, in, in the entire union. Uh, so why is this, you know, I'm going to say it's because of culture. Um, you know, obviously each state has kind of its own culture. I think California has bought into some different things that other states haven't. I think gender is one of the issues. Um, you know, of of course, Utah, the, the Mormon culture, I think that's part of the reason of the, the higher replacement rate. Um, so, I've been hearing a lot of, about this, and I think, yes, uh, if we continue down this path of a low uh, replacement rate of 1.61 that we are currently at as a country now, it will cause problems. Um, economic productivity, uh, you know, we are we are uh, a, a world and, and a country that is so focused on uh, the economy and how many people it takes uh, to, to keep that uh, to be productive. And so in our resources, there's this uh, thing called a population pyramid. And all I really want uh, you guys to do and to take away from it is you can kind of see the trends. So the United States, you'll see on the left, it'll show um, kind of a, a, a narrow base. And the narrow base represents the younger population. So a wider base would be our, the population of our younger people are large. So Nigeria has a, has a wide base. United States is a small base. So what I'm saying is Nigeria in the future, within the next 20, 30, 40 years, is going to be able to sustain 
their economic productivity, whereas the United States may see some diminished economic productivity unless we uh, speed up <laughs> reproduction rates or if we will have to um, uh, do some uh, allow more immigration into our country to keep our e- economic productivity uh, sustainable. Because the fact of the matter is it will decrease because of the population. There won't be as many people in the workforce. Um, there will be uh, uh, jobs that need to be filled that won't be able to be filled, et cetera, et cetera. So I can go on and on, but this is a problem. Got to find a, a way to fix it or, or supplement it somehow. <laughs> yep. Good idea. You know what? In the interest of time, my other items will keep, and uh, we'll uh, include them for next uh, time's lightning round. But we'll be back uh, again to talk about those other education-related issues. We'll be right back. Okay, and we are back uh, to continue our discussion on education, and I'm not sure what will uh, give you a better representation of a broken education system rather than this statistic that I'm about to give you. So the percent of growth of population in public schools from the years 2000 to 2019, 7.6% have been students, 8.7% have been teachers, and 87.6% have been district administrators. Isn't that pretty wild? <laughs> that is wild. And uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, that's kind of uh, a, a lot of the good span of my teaching career. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can look and, and, and see some of that. And uh, wow, it really is telling uh, of where, you know, the, the system calling for more and more money. And then the, the way it's uh, being spent that way, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, talk about so, lopsided. Uh, Yep. Hillsdale College, if you're not familiar with it, puts out a monthly uh, um, uh, written, like a speech. It's a speech from some kind of uh, well-known American about a relevant topic of the day. And this is the one from uh, last November. It's called, the, 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 uh, the series is called Imprimus. And so I really recommend that to you in general. And the, uh, the title of the, uh, of the, of the article is about the, the the education battleground, and I I mentioned this to my student teachers this last year that as they get ready to teach, they are literally walking out into what's arguably the greatest battleground over worldview and ideas in the entire country. When you walk onto a public school campus, you're walking onto that kind of a battleground, and so this article kind of outlines some of the. Uh, the reasons why it is such a battleground and kind of what we can do about it. Yep. And I can uh, say from experience that what it, what Brian is saying is completely correct from my time in high school to my time in college. You know, I can dif- differentiate the two a little bit. I think uh, at college, I've had some more educational discussions that uh, in high school, it was, it was much different. Um, and I mean, these are our fundamental disagreements that are going uh, that are going to, to shape uh, our, our future, because these people who are in these uh, in, in the public education system are going to be our future leaders. So if we want uh, to preserve our future, it starts in schools. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Larry Arn uh, wrote this uh, speech 
uh, and he's the president of Hillsdale College, so he's he's had a seat at the table for a lot of this stuff. And he's he's saying that the 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 battle really uh, is a fundamental battle. Okay, and education is fundamental, and so if education changes. Everything else is going to change because of it. But he says the fundamental battle is to the answer to the question, and these are his words, who owns American children? And he goes on that you know American children really aren't owned, but basically what we said at the beginning, who's responsible for the education of American children? Then that's really is what is at stake here. May I uh, remind everybody at the beginning of our episode uh, parents are responsible for their children's education. <laughs> so let, let's keep that in mind. Well, but, and, yeah. and there are forces that are really trying to, to take that away. And you can see, uh, and, and Larry Arn makes a good argument for that. It's just because, you know, going back to nature again, you know, humans take a long time to raise, you know, they don't, you know, they're not born and they're out walking around like a baby horse or a cow. Uh, but so they're, they're basically helpless. And, you know, so, so it's the parents that have begotten this person. And just naturally, it's their, their responsibility to, uh, to raise them up and, and teach them. So, um, uh, so I think it's good. So he, he poses the question, you know, are, are these decisions about what to do with the children, what to teach them about things? And, and really, a lot of it's what to teach them about sex and gender and right and wrong are these decisions to be the the province of professional educators who claim to be experts don't we love that word <laughs> experts in quotes or are they the province of parents who rely on common sense and love to guide them and and tradition and values and things like that so that really is um uh the the essence of the battle yeah well what a no-brainer the, the answer to that question is but um, yeah, it, it, it relies solely on the parents. And as far as I know, what school is supposed to be is reading and writing and arithmetic, <laughs> among other things, but uh, for the most part. And uh, as we can tell from different things today, it's not so much that it has become much of a, a place for for ideas to be spread uh, and, and not so much in, in the good way. Um, so kind of that, that's where we are. Yeah. I like this quote from the article, too. It says, Raising a child has always been difficult and expensive. <laughs> With rare exceptions, it's always been true that the parents are the ones to raise him the best. And throughout American history, and I love this, you know, harking back to that, it's been thought that the family is the cradle of good citizenship and therefore the cradle of free and just politics. So the public education is as old as our nation, but only lately has it adopted the purpose of supplanting the family and controlling parents. So and I, I'm seeing a lot of that. And that's, uh, that's why we're harping on it's the parents' responsibility to raise their children. It's also the parents' responsibility to rein in the school district that they are delegating some of their responsibility to. So I'm going to go off script and, and play devil's advocate a little bit here. What would you say to the people who argue that, uh, okay, sure, maybe it's the parent's responsibility, but what do you do when uh, parents are not holding up their responsibilities as they should and are, you know, are not in their child's lives to teach them these important things? So glad you asked. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase Thomas Jefferson because people ask them what to do. Well, you know, if people... Uh, don't follow the Constitution, 
what do you do? Do you do away with the Constitution? And he said, no, you educate them about the benefits of the Constitution so they can practice that. Mm. So I think, you know, it's really easy to point to exceptions. And I agree, there's a lot of poor uh, parenting, parenting help, broken families. I mean, just putting a father in a household, that may be the number one thing that you can do to, to help with that. But... Um, but I would say that you, we just need to put to invest some time in making better parents, and that is, uh, you know, teaching them the civics and the morality, and uh, getting them back to church, and getting them to uh, be able to provide that foundation, and uh, and and do that for their children, and realize that's a large part of their responsibility as people and citizens, much more uh, in a lot of times than is are their career. That was a good answer. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Don't want your head to get too big, but, you know. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, we're not going to spend too much more time here, but he, he does point out that, uh, you know, the, you can look at the negative examples of what education was like in uh, in the communist countries, uh, in, in China, the Soviet Union, uh, uh, and, and so many places that, and that it's true that you, if you educate children poorly, then you can can indoctrinate them to be tools of the state. And that's what's the danger of some of the woke stuff in CRT, uh, is that uh, when you supplant the parents' authority, and anytime you talk about CRT and, uh, you know, blaming the culture, you're automatically blaming the, those that are older, namely the parents, unless you can provide your woke credentials and, and exempt yourself from that. So, um, so, and he says he's thankfully we don't yet have this in America. And I'm quoting again, but we do have children being turned against their country by being indoctrinated to look on its past, of which all parents, of course, are in some way a part, as a shameful uh, time of irredeemable injustice. So we increasingly have children being encouraged to speak uh, of their, you know, their sexual activities and other things uh, to people that have have no business exploring that and uh, and and bringing that out of them. It's a parent's responsibility. Yeah, that's that really. I really don't like that. I mean, it obviously we should be teaching uh, America from the perspective of yes, we have our faults, but you know, we've been you know, uh, you know, one of the first countries to make progress in, in almost any area, uh, of what you want to call progress. Um, and so that's something to be proud of. Uh, we've been world leaders in every other area. So, I mean, there, I just don't understand, uh, that, that, that point of view of, you know, teaching how, uh, America is, is bad in every way. And, um, it just kind of, gets on my nerves <laughs> yep we do our final quote is going to be uh, from this article also but i'll just point out one more thing at you know at the end uh, dr arn says well who is going to raise the child then is it going to be the parents that have sacrificed and loved and paid and this is a quote or is it going to be the educational bureaucracy which is more likely than a parent to look upon the child as an asset in a social engineering project to rearrange government and society so I think you could argue, we talk about, oh, it's for the children and for the kids, but really the end game is is reorganizing society, and too, way too many of them are pawns in that game. And uh, we can explore that some more, but we're, we're kind of out of time for the segment. But uh, Food for Thought, really encourage you reading the, uh, the entire article. I think you'll appreciate it. Talk about And Bernie's. subscribing to, to Imprimus, yeah. 
talk about Bernie Sanders' revolution. His dream. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Back in a second for our conclusion and the quote of the week. back for our uh, conclusion and uh, some some quote thoughts uh, for the week. Uh, didn't even get to the whole matter of the Ivy League, and so you can see the resources when I put the, out that newsletter. A really good discussion between Jordan Peterson and Victor Davis Hanson. They cover a lot of different stuff about education, so I highly recommend that. Uh, but uh, even as I was um, talking about at the end of uh, my quote about the, the, the bureaucracy and the system, uh, you know, Denver's got a couple things for us just about that, uh, about the system and some of the correctives that we really have even at our disposal now. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, from today's day and age, uh, you know, go, well, I'll, I'll first start, you know, back in the day when, uh, with the Declaration of Independence and how it accused the king of interfering with representative government, bring that back to, to today. And, you know, it, it's kind of like we're almost in the same position with the school system, uh, how it has interfered with uh, values and, and the way of life and and parents and and their or their students or their children's education. So in a in a sense, it's kind of the same thing, obviously, at a different scale. But we're, we're facing some of those issues. Yeah. So and it's great. We've got the tools at our disposal, but we just we have to be we have to be aware and we have to realize it's it's our job and it's 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 our elected representatives job to rein in this bureaucracy, whether it's a school board or a state legislature uh, or in some ways the, uh, the 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 Congress or people uh, like DeSantis is doing in Florida. But it's our job to rein that in, that, that they, they are not the ones that are in charge, that they are the ones that are, are doing the bidding of what the people say through their elected representatives. And uh, there's a lot of work to be done in that regard because it's, uh, it's a monster. In many ways, uh, a lot of change starts at the local level. And so if you are in a position where you can run for school board or you can encourage or su- support somebody to run for school board or attend meetings, you absolutely should. Uh, because we need to exercise our power in what ways we can, uh, because it is our right. Um, uh, that That's our way of changing things. Yeah. So uh, our prayer is that uh, we're, we want to try to equip you to find your place in the good fight. And uh, if you're resonating with some of this stuff, dig deeper into it, look for more resources, and then uh, pray that the Lord will show you where to dig in and where to get involved. And I think we're all uh, all in in the same boat together. So we hope you'll uh, let you know, let you'll let us know what you think at goodfight71 at gmail.com. Let us know, keep up the good fight, and hopefully we'll have some more news about our, our, our guest and kind of finish up this little segment about education. Yep. Take care. God bless and keep up the good fight. Bye.